Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 16th. It is six minutes after 11. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels, and this is 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us this morning. So President Biden, he was pummeling Republicans on Social Security and Medicare during a State of the Union address, and then the Republicans urged him to stop telling Americans that the GOP wants to slash retirement programs. And then he went down to Florida, and he did it again, just escalating this fight. But the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has pushed back on Biden and said that, you know, we, we want spending cuts, but Social Security and Medicare should be exempted. And currently there's no bill whoa, whoa, with. Whoa, 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 right there. I didn't mean to cut you up? No, no, no. But you just you just said something important. OK. And the phrase you used was should be, be exempted. exempted. <laughs> right. And this is always what we get. Yeah. We want spending cuts, mm-hmm. but blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. should be exempted, mm-hmm. whether it's the military, Social Security, Medicare. And the problem is you exempt everything right that's the problem everything gets exempted and they come up with a bunch of little piddly stuff Mm -hmm. that doesn't make even a fraction of a dent in what needs to be done i mean we have laid out on this show and our listeners have laid out on this show over the past week and a half two weeks however long we've been talking about this about the massive amount of waste fraud and abuse that takes place in the social security system why would you say no changes to something that you know even if we're not talking about the, the unsustainability of the fund which everybody knows is true. Social Security is an unsustainable program, but we're not even talking about that. You don't even want to investigate the waste, fraud, and abuse that takes place because you're saying no changes whatsoever off the table. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's just, it's always, they always just exempt Mm -hmm. their thing. And the problem is then everybody exempts their thing and everything gets exempted. Well, and to your point, there is currently no bill with any sort of consensus to change these programs. There is no, there is no political desire. You, I could just stop right there, period. There is no political desire, period, in this country. There is no political desire to do anything hard. And that is why, whether it is Social Security and Medicare at the federal level or something like property taxes at the local level, nothing meaningful ever happens because the people who make the choices are cowards and they are weak people and they are uncreative people and they do not have the desire to put the effort in to make meaningful changes that will better the lives of the American people. Okay, you want to know how much it costs? How, how much what costs? Social Security oh, and Medicare. Sh- oh, yes, I'm sitting down. Okay, the annual cost of Social Security is projected to be 1.3 trillion this year. No. 2.4 trillion by 2033 Whoa. as more people age into the program. Uh-huh. The cost of Medicare expected to increase from 820 billion this year to 1.6 trillion in 2033. Okay, so, so over a decade. So we we have laid out, we've shown you the graph, we've shown you all the data, but Casey just kind of read it there for you. The cost is almost going to double by 2023 or 2033. Mm-hmm. And by 2035, according to projections, Social Security out of money. Mm-hmm. Dunzo. It's math, right? Like people, that was why I was just amazed people got mad at us for telling you what the math is. The math, when you have more people in the system than people paying into the system, mm-hmm. which is currently happening and gets greater by the day based on longevity of life. There is no way to sustain that system. Why people got mad at us for talking about math, it, would just, it just blew my mind. 
And, and the idea that we are just going to keep putting our head in the sand and keep going, nope, not going to do anything about that. Uh, so anyway, here is Biden. Now, apparently he's done an about face or he accidentally did it and doesn't know he did it. It's Biden, so who knows? Fact-checking uh, himself. Fact-checking himself. Finally admitting Republicans aren't going to do anything to prevent Social Security from going broke. I said, that means you're not going to cut Medicare or Social Security? And they all stood up and started to clap. I said, well, we got to settle then. You know, it's interesting, Casey. Social Security... When it was invented, I think there was like three payees for every one recipient or something like that. And it is interesting to me about how much Social Security is almost like the rules that govern us as broadcasters. And what I'm talking about is the FCC. Because most of the rules that we are still governed by today as broadcasters were implemented when Orson Welles (laughs) did the War of the Worlds broadcast. Mm -hmm. I believe that was in the 1940s. We are still governed in the idea of the internet age with streaming mm-hmm. and YouTube mm-hmm. and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these other things. The FCC still operates mm-hmm. many of their rules and regulations based on something that happened in the 1940s. It is a large part why, why many much of radio mm-hmm. has struggled because we are still governed and overseen and have to abide by rules from the 1940s while many other people... On the, especially the internet platforms, aren't playing by any rules at all. It's the same thing here. You have a 1940s... Uh, Antiquated system? System yeah. for a modern thing. And anytime you say, uh, hello, might 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 be time to update the, the system. And whether it's the FCC mm-hmm. or it's Social Security, mm-hmm. you're a, some sort of evil villainous person who is like, man... These rules really aren't working for our industry, or man, these rules really aren't working for this system that's about to go bankrupt. Okay, so the White House is really banking on that, too. They're wanting it to be very unpopular, and it would be. It would be very unpopular to cut Social Security and Medicare to a large portion of the population. Some 55 million people, in fact. You know, it's interesting, uh, and I know you did this the other day, too. I, I went and visited with Bill Demery, our, our sponsor mm-hmm. on the show, and yeah. you hear his ads here on this, this show and other uh, parts of the radio station throughout the day. And I know you met with him, too. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your money? What do you, you know, how do you want it to grow, et cetera? And one thing, and it's a well-duh thing, but it's interesting to have it reinforced from a professional is, you treat people differently when you invest their money based on their age and the sort of risk, you know, they're willing to take, right? And obviously Bill's thing is he doesn't lose a dime of his client's money. You know, that's what he says in the advertisement. And he goes to great lengths to ensure that that happens. But even inside of that, mm-hmm. based on how long you're willing to invest your money, what sort of risk you're willing to take, you ju- you do different things with different people's money based on that. And every, almost almost every, and consult your trained investment professional, will we'll handle that the same way. Like, what do you want to do with your money? What risk are you okay with, et cetera? But yet, when it comes to Social Security... You're taking 330 plus million Americans and going, you're all going to be treated exactly the same. The idea that my parents who are in their 60s are treated the same as me who is in my 30s is ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense to anyone. The idea that me, Kev, who's in his 20s, is treated the same as a 90-year-old woman mm-hmm. is ridiculous. <laughs> but yet, when you raise your hand and go, yeah, that doesn't really make any sense to anyone, mm-hmm. you are called some sort of villainous traitor to society who wants to kill grandma. Okay, well, let's break this down with some numbers. 17% of people living in the U.S. 
one in six are 65 or older. Okay, and this comes from the Administration on Aging. So that's 55 million people. And back in 1900, it was 3.1 million. And now we're up to 55.7 million people. And by the year 2040, and you're saying Social Security will be long out of money by that point. Yeah. By 2040. Their their projection's not ours, right? Right. They're projecting there will be 80 million people in the country that are 65 and older. So we're going to go from 55 currently to 80 million. It's math, Casey. (laughs) And that's why when those people were like just irate. Mm Mm-hmm about us having the audacity to talk about this, Mm -hmm. somebody's going to be left holding the bag. Now, maybe your theory is, well, screw the next guy. And and that's really why we're in this position we're in as a country, right? It's why we're 31 trillion in debt. Because people like Todd Young go, well, screw the next generation. I'm going to be out of here by then. So I'm going to buy as much, I'm going to do as much legalized vote buying as I can so people will love me now. And what the hell do I care? What what the next generation has has mm-hmm. to do, and, and all the, almost all these politicians are are that way. It's so maybe if, if you as a human are saying, "Well, screw the next generation," I did my part, and so I'm getting as much as mm-hmm. I can. Okay, that's fine, but let's not let's stop lying to people that somebody very soon, likely me and Kev, almost definitely probably Kev, mm-hmm. and very likely me are going to get screwed. Right. Well, when sorry, Kev, when the program was invented, people weren't living as long. Sure. And now there's more. But the, There's more people living longer. But even when people weren't living as Which long. Which is fine. The idea that we treat 330 million plus people, everyone exactly the same, mm-hmm. when no investment professional in their right mind would. I mean, that's why they ask you the questions when you go in there. When you go into your investment professional. As we went into Bill Demery the other day. I did. You did. Hey, what do you want to do? How do you want to make your money work? What's your short-term goal? What's your long-term goal? How much, you know, access, uh, how much money do you need access to? There's a reason you don't just walk in there and he goes, okay, here's your plan. Good luck. Well, it's also dependent on what sort of lifestyle you want to have. Exactly. Do you want to live in a huge house and you want to travel all over the place? Obviously, that's going to cost you more But, but than Ke- living a modest lifestyle where you don't aren't as active. But Kevin McCarthy, who Jim Banks voted for very proudly 15 times and went on this radio station and many other media outlets across the country and bragged about what a great guy Kevin was and what a tough fighter he was and what an honest broker he was, is right out of the gate, as we knew he would, any person who has an ounce of common sense, intellectually dishonest with everyone because they don't have the guts to do the right thing and we're never getting out of debt and we're never getting inflation under control and it's just you get the government you deserve. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We were going to talk about uh, Biden's green fetish, and we will do that coming up from 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. After 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. You had a statistic that you wanted to share with everyone. Well, we, we were talking about the amount of people paying in uh, today to the Social Security system per person versus the people who were paying it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was off on the, the numbers. The premise was right, but I was way off, and it proves my point even more. So in the 1940s, uh, 42 people, 
42 people. 42? 42. 42. Jackie Robinson's number, 42. Okay. 42 people were paying in for every person receiving Social Security. Okay, cool. That's a sustainable little dealio, right? Now, mm-hmm. 2.7 people paying in for every one person receiving. So you have gone from a system that when it was set up, it was 42 people paying in to every one person receiving to 2.7 people paying in. Mm. Casey, it's math. Mm-hmm. It's going broke. All right, let's talk about some trending stories this morning. Uh, actress Raquel Welsh has passed away at the age of 82. Pop quiz. Which beetle was in the movie Caveman with her? Ringo. Very good, Kevin. I knew Kevin would get that. <laughs> of course, one of her uh, better, better performances in Seinfeld. What the hell is that? Are you making fun of my dancing? Aren't you Raquel Welch? You know who I am. Now, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. I just wasn't moving my arms. (laughs) That's it. You're going down. (laughs) Cat fight. So she won a Golden Globe in 1975 for Best Actress in The Three Musketeers. She was also nominated in 1988 for Best Actress in uh, Right to Die. Isn't it interesting that certain people in our society become, the idea of them becomes bigger than the thing they ever actually did? Mm -hmm. Like she becomes this, sex symbol I know iconic she, pinup girl right and so then forever mm-hmm. like even though if you look because I was looking through her like acting history and all these sort of things yeah it's not like littered with many many amazing performances and after about you know the mid 70s mm-hmm. there's just not all that much there yeah but she forever lived on and got all those incredible roles like Seinfeld where they're putting her up on this pedestal mm-hmm. because of that so almost like for Basically, the better part of 50 years, the idea of Raquel Welch was greater than any of the things she actually did. And it speaks to how impactful she was in that brief window of time. Mm-hmm. Also trending, Carmel High School. Oh, jeez. Yep, this is why people love and hate Carmel. And as a former Penn parent, I totally understand this. Oh, yeah. So one of the students or a few of the students created a video that has gone viral nationwide. It has gotten millions and millions of views. Welcome back to Carmel High School. Today we'll be doing Starting with the performing arts. Presented to you by Carmel Decca. Beep, 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 yeah. You can drop eyes to the This is the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. This is Wind Symphony 2. people commenting that Carmel High School has it all. Well, so this is what's interesting about that. And look, people are, I am not a wealth envy person by any stretch of the imagination. People, if they legally earn their money, are Mm -hmm. entitled to spend it however they like. But here's what gets me, is that a, a, what that video showed was an excessive amount of riches in that facility. Mm -hmm. Right? And when you see poor, elderly, 
and people hanging on by a thread who regularly, because Carmel has like 93,000 school referendums, get their taxes raised to the point where in many cases they have to sell their homes or move. And these are people who were in Carmel long before Carmel was Carmel of today. That's what really angers me was the excess of riches in front of those in, that was put on display there. And yet we are regularly told or the people of Carmel are regularly told, and this is what they do in referendums all across the state, well, the children will suffer if, <laughs> and that is what is gross to me. Look, the wealthy people in Carmel should be able to spend their wealth however they want. But when you keep taking more, in this case, above the agreed upon 1% tax caps, which we all know are phony bull crap anyway because of the assessments, but let's just operate that they're legitimate, how many people have been flushed out of their homes and inability to live there and people were there way, way before Carmel became the Carmel of today because we are led to believe that children might suffer if the continuous never-ending referendums ever stop. Finally trending this morning, and Kevin, you can go ahead and hit that audio now. It's Patrick Mahomes. He was seen slamming a beer and throwing it on the ground during the Super Bowl parade celebration of the... Sh- MVP! Yeah. So he, he was slamming a beer, he chugged it, spilled all over his face, and then he threw it down on the ground. Yeah, he didn't really, he didn't really strike me as chug a beer kind of guy. Well, some people are saying that he's a role model and this is setting a bad example. And then there's the other side that said, you know what, he's just, he's the MVP, just won a Super Bowl. Let the guy have a moment of fun. Yeah, but it kind of looked to me like he was, you know, he doesn't really strike me as chug a beer. Kev, Kev, come in here, Kev, you'll know. You're still going out to the clubs. You know Chug-A-Beer guy, right? Like, when you see <laughs> yeah. Chug-A-Beer, Patrick Mahomes does not strike me as Chug-A-Beer sort of guy, right? Usually Chug-A-Beer guy has some uh, pounds on yeah, him. Yeah, offensive lineman it, would be Chug-A-Beer <laughs> yeah, guy. Exactly. You know, Chug-A-Beer guy either looks like Duck Dynasty mm-hmm. or Stone Cold Steve Austin or, you know, a mixture of the, the two. Patrick Mahomes strikes me as mixed drink kind of guy, now, and he sips it slowly. I will say he is a Texan, right? He's from Texas. Yeah, he went to Texas Tech, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I mean, I think all Texans are chug-a-beer And his dad people. was a professional athlete, so. Are you saying that he was just doing it for the cameras? I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. And, and yeah, you're fine. right. Having a little fun. What, what, and whatever, he's entitled to do whatever he wants to do, but uh, Patrick Mahone strikes me not as chug-a-beer sort of guy, and that will be my general editorial comment on the video. Okay, we've got uh, Jim Merritt, who's going to join us yes. next. And we're going to be talking about CRT. DEI and what other acronym can we throw in there? W E E D, weed. <laughs> All right, it's on the way. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Long may you run. Long may you run. Although these changes have. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's With here. And Casey, well, you know, it's another week. Where Indiana Republicans at the State House are just not what living up to their bargain with the taxpayers of the state of Indiana. Well, let's see. Did they do anything about property taxes this week? Uh, oh, that's still a big no. Okay. Uh, what about CRT? Well, they did do something on CRT, and what they told the uh, taxpayers of the state of Indiana is, yeah, we know this might be happening in the schools, but once again, we're not going to do anything about that either. So is that doing something when you tell people you're not going to do anything about it? Does that count as doing something? Let's go to the phone and ask an expert. Ah, yes, our old pal. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline. He spent 30 years in the Indiana Senate, and nobody knows what in the world is going on in the minds of Republicans better than this guy, former state senator Jim Merritt. How are you, my friend? 
Robert, Casey, how's it going? Well, it's not going well because uh, I don't know many of these people you served with in the Indiana Senate. They have seemingly killed a uh, bill that would have banned the teaching of critical race theory. Uh, it was supposed to get a hearing on Wednesday. They pulled it off the agenda. And help me if I'm wrong here, Senator, but when you s- remove something from the agenda, that's never a good sign. It is dead, Robert. It is dead, and, oh. and uh, it, it's uh, it's an issue the legislature has tussled with for some time now, and and uh, we talked last time about uh, partisan elections with school boards, where they are quote unquote nonpartisan now, and uh, this makes that so much more important that at the local level that um, Republicans can vote for Republicans and Democrats can vote for Democrats. And you have clarity of purpose, and you know who's representing you on the school board, and those decisions can be made there. Of course, I think that's dead for uh, maybe not dead, but it's surviving on a on a whim. But um, well, it makes me, it so important for school boards to be let, reactive to their responsive to their constituents. Let me ask you this, Jim, and and we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. So this is the second year in a row a bill that would ban the teaching of critical race theory. Uh, has died, or at least it's dead for now. And yet the teacher, the angry red-shirted teachers win again because they were very angry about this bill, but yet they claim they're not teaching critical race theory. So why would you be mad about a bill that bans something that, that you claim you're not doing? Well, there's sometimes, a lot of times that, that at the state house things just don't make sense. And we point them out once a week these days. And uh, I, I, I think it's, I think I think the uh, to be uh, definitive here. I think Senator Rotz, Chairman Rotz, and the committee have a hard time defining what they want uh, in the bill, and uh, more than likely there was, weren't votes on the committee, nor in the caucus. And this was a real mess last time, and they want to avoid that. So, yes, it, it's it's dead for this session, and it's up to school boards to listen to their constituents and define exactly what they want taught in the uh, in the classroom, uh, because we know uh, we know it's happening in schools and and uh, and communities have to be ready to uh, speak on it. We want to get into your other wheelhouse, which is this uh, marijuana bill. But before we do that, uh, again, I will ask this question and I do not understand it. Why Republicans are so afraid of these angry red-shirted teachers who come and yell at them? They're never going to vote for them anyway. It doesn't matter what they do. And it's like they, they the Republicans just consistently in this state abandon the people who vote for them to get on bended knee for people who hate them. Why do your buddies, why do they behave this way? Well, my buddies are very, very concerned about parents. They're very concerned about teachers because they vote. And they vote against but they, them. They never vote for and, them. So what does it matter? You won. Well, uh, there are a lot of them that vote against them, and it's um, it, they're they're just fearful that that there's going to be an enormous rally at the state house, enormous rally at the grocery store, and and they don't like the confrontation of it all. Ah. And these 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 are hard decisions, uh, Casey, because uh, it it it. Um, it wrecks it wrecks their uh, their 
you nailed it. Service to the state. Jim, you mm-hmm. nailed it. You yeah. nailed it. They're yeah. they're they're afraid to do what's right because they want to be liked. They don't have the cojones like someone like you did, who someone doesn't like you. Hey, you said send me your address. I'll come to your house and talk to you for thirty minutes. These people yeah. need to be liked, and being liked is more important than standing up for the families. You nailed it, Jim. Perfect. Afraid of confrontation. Yeah. All right, afraid hey, of confrontation. Casey's yeah. very excited about how uh, there's apparently a hearing on the weed bill, and then Wendy McNamara came out and said, "No chances gets a vote." Uh, Casey, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's you know this article here in Indiana Capital Chronicle sums it up. Indiana is an estimated two billion dollar cannabis market. So why have the hearing if it's not ever going to get considered? Well, it's just like Casey, like last summer they had a uh, they had an interim committee session of hours on this issue. They hear a bill, um, decriminalization of marijuana in small amounts. I, I think it's kind of an interesting start. As you both know, I look at, a, look at it broadly to see how we can uh, use the medical end of it and, and, then, and then work into the criminal end of it. Uh, I, you know, they labeled uh, Chairman McNamara and, and congratulations Representative Van Natter for uh, getting a bill heard. Uh, it, it's these are issues that really take putts rather than drives on a golf course, and and uh, uh, you know you have to start somewhere, I guess. And it's frustrating to the people that support it because it's with us right now, and our children ha- have access to it. And if we regulate it, they, we could have at least a handle on their distribution and exactly what is in the hands of every Hoosier. Okay, but it, so, isn't this kind of like they're saying they're going to decriminalize more, larger amounts, so like two ounces? But isn't that that's just like a baby step, right? Oh, it's a, it, it's it's just infantile. I mean, it's small, and and it's a small step. And and uh, as Robert and I have talked about. We studied uh, selling alcohol on Sundays for two years. Mm -hmm. We studied uh, the renovation of the property tax code for two years and then came up with a one, two, three uh, constitutional amendment. Uh, If they're going to do something, dive in and and study it, the bad effects and the good effects and and how we can make life better for people and and get that started. And um, I can tell you, I wouldn't have started that way, but uh, Chairman McNamara chose that route, and and Representative Van Natter was able to get his bill heard, and and um, maybe there'll be a, a lot more going on. Of course, next session's a short session, and you still have Governor Holcomb in in, um, in charge, who doesn't support hardly anything, and which is okay. I understand his point, but bottom line is, is you need uh, a leader. In the governor's office, you need a leader in the uh, Senate and the House of Representatives to look at the broad scope of the whole thing and then deal with it. All right. Uh, before I let you go, uh, go ahead, Casey. Go ahead. No, uh, I was just going to ask. I don't, you know, they say they have to study this. They're not going to call it to a vote. Our, our neighboring states already have this legalized. Like, how much studying and data does the state of Indiana need to gather when states surrounding us have already done the work? Well, it, it's uh, interesting you say that. Our friend Abdul likes to talk about uh, the first parking lot on the other side of the Illinois state line <laughs> is full of Indiana cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's... Uh, these bits and pieces and fits and starts won't do any good for the um, whole effort of helping people who are suffering from pain. 
and uh, and and everybody surrounding us has some form of um, legalization, mm-hmm. and it, Indiana has to uh, get with it because, folks, it's here. Uh, I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Uh, one of the one of the great guys in Indiana politics and government, even if I didn't always agree with him, he was always willing to come in and answer the question, Casey. Mm-hmm. And that is a rare thing these days. Former State Senator Jim Merritt, thank you as always, my friend. Have a good day. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. Good morning. It is 1142. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Is Pet Shop Sounds. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the five greatest albums of all time? Should be. I would definitely say top ten. Yeah. Definitely innovative. And we're going to come back to that song, The Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. It'll uh, close out the show, and we'll tell you why coming up. But first, let's get to this Nikki Haley story. We've been teasing it all morning long, so let's finally address it. So she is the latest minted Republican presidential candidate. And yesterday, she called for mandatory mental competency tests for for politicians that are over 75 years old. She uh, It was an implied dig at Biden and possibly a dig at Trump. All right, we got some audio of this. Let's listen and then examine. We'll have term limits for Congress. And mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. So Biden's getting his physical today. And I don't believe that any sort of uh, mental capacity check is part of that. <laughs> it's just his actual blood pressure and lipids and that's what, that's cholesterol what, well, levels. That, that's my yeah. biggest concern for Biden is his lipid level, well, Casey. I, you know, I'm wondering, though, if he's getting his physical. Because, you know, when you do that, at a certain age, you have to fast for 12 hours. Like, oh. Are they drawing blood from him to check all? Does he have diabetes and do all the standard litany of tests that they do? And when they when they do that and they draw blood, they tell you you got to fast for 12 yeah. hours beforehand. Is that why we haven't seen him speak about what's going on in Ohio or all the balloons flying in the air because he's he's been fasting for this physical? For what? 90 90- consecutive hours? I mean, I thought it was like 12 hours. Yeah, it is. Where, where was he before that? <laughs> well, Nikki Haley was talking at a rally when she was in uh, South Carolina kicking off her, her run for the White House. And so what do we think? A mental competency test for those 75 and older? Well, it's fine. I think we should have competency tests for all the politicians because I'm not sure how many of them could actually pass the test. She already annoys me. I mean, she's been at this for two days, mm-hmm. and she already annoys me. Look, she I, full disclosure, and uh, people who've listened to the show the last couple of days know, she's going to annoy me no matter what she does, because she's a liar, right? You're she's talking a, about she, when she said she wouldn't run against Trump, and now they're both running. So I'm already predisposed mm-hmm. not to like her, because she's a liar. Mm-hmm. You know how I am about the lying, Casey, mm-hmm. from the politicians. Uh, but this thing, it's like... What what are you what are you gonna do? You're gonna wave a magic wand and go, No, everybody has to take a competency test. Mm-hmm. You can't mandate that as president. So once again, it's just another person just throwing words out in the ether and I 
every all these politicians should have to take the competency test. I'm 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 not optimistic how many could actually pass. So polling for her was sitting at one percent for a really really long time. We've had lots of conversations. Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Trump, all of these names that are being thrown out. Nikki Haley's been one of them, yeah. and she's been been at one percent forever. And now since she announced. She's at 4%. So she's getting, oh, I know. <laughs> hey, look out. Don't, don't keep your distance with those polling numbers. You might burn somebody. It is a bump, though. And she's right now the darling. She's getting all of the attention. Is now the time that if Ron DeSantis were to announce, like he he needs to get on it no. so that he can take advantage of this no. bump no. that she's getting as well? Look. If you bumped to four, right? <laughs> like, it's not like, hey, DeSantis was at 20 and then he announced and now he's at 40, which mm-hmm. is, you know, likely the sort of thing you'll see. This is a person that the problem with so many of these people and DeSantis is an exception to the rule, which is why he's in such a great position. They are void of bold ideas. They're void of a track record of successfully enacting bold ideas and Ron does someone like a Ron DeSantis like what would Mike Pence actually run on other than I was Trump's lackey yeah like let's say Mike Pence runs for president what in his actual record as a congressman or governor would he run on as a bold idea and go I did that hey I voted to get a bunch of people killed in Iraq thumbs up on that one hey I voted uh, for RIFRA and then I voted against RIFRA to change RIFRA and now it's a complete disaster and made our state the la- uh, laughing stock of the country thumbs up on that hey I voted to create a government run news agency thumbs up on that hey I created uh, voted to ex- for a massive socialized Medicaid expansion thumbs up on that there, there, there's nothing right These most of these people there's absolutely zero for them to run on their actual record Ron DeSantis is the exception to the rule okay so Nikki Haley she's been promising a lot of things already like you said two days in she vowed that schools would never close their classrooms again she promised to battle china head-on she's supporting ukraine and said that america is strong and proud and not woke and weak but then she went on to give a message to republicans okay and she said we've lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight presidential elections And she said our cause is right, but we failed to win the confidence of the majority of Americans. Okay, a couple things on that. One, when she talks about, go back to the thing about the education. What did she say? She said she vowed that schools would never close their classrooms again. And this is, of course, she's talking about COVID. So, okay, how are you going to do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm letting you set there for a second. How are you going to do that? She can't do that unless she's saying a federal takeover of every school corporation in the entire country. She cannot do that. You notice she's not saying to abolish the Department of Education. No, that's Thomas Massey who's right, saying that. Right, perfect. Now we're talking. That's a specific, bold policy idea. She's not talking about that. Right. Why? Because Nikki, Nikki Haley is the establishment, right? Mm-hmm. Someone like Nikki Haley wants to play like they're outside of this box. No, you're in the box. You, you, you... Or you latched on to Trump when it was convenient for her. Casey, I went, I think I talked about this the other day. I went to the fall, this would have been 2015, GOP dinner in Indiana, whatever that is. That was back when I still used to be allowed to go into these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was the guest speaker. And she was viciously anti-Trump at that point. She was a total never-Trumper. And conveniently, 
when it meant she could be the head of the UN, or not the head of the UN, but the ambassador, ambassador. of the UN. Mm-hmm. Hey, make MAGA forever, baby. Just like now. Sidled up to him. I won't run if Trump runs. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to run, and now he's less popular than he was two years ago when I made that statement when it was politically convenient because I wanted to be his vice presidential pick. Mm-hmm. I'm running. Uh, you just These people are all disgusting, and they're all awful, and <laughs> just... <laughs> Move on before I say something's going to get me. Okay, trouble. well, you know what? She's, she's really good at pointing out the problems. But at what point do you start offering up your solution? Because that's the stage she's in right, right now when she's saying, I'm going to battle China head on and I'm going to so- support Ukraine and we're never closing classrooms again and all, you know, hot button issues, okay? But at what point, and she's only 48 hours in, at what point does she need to switch gears and start offering up solutions? Well, what these politicians do is they promise themselves into corners, right? We're going to get tough on China. Okay, what's that mean? We're we're, we're going to back Ukraine. What have we been doing? Yeah. What are, what are you what 40 billion isn't backed enough? Right. What are you proposing ground troops? I mean, you're a Republican, so Republicans are never shy on sending other people's kids to die for their military industrial complex, so certainly probably on the table for her. What does that mean? People are, they promise themselves into a corner and they're void of specifics. You just mentioned the guy. Who's got the specifics? Thomas Massey. Mm-hmm. To abolish the Department of Education. Okay, now we can have a real conversation. Yeah. Now we can actually talk about fundamentally changing America. We can talk about the, the, the way we, we are governed here in America. Here's the other thing. When she gets hung up on the popular vote, uh, let, let me be as clear as I possibly can be on this, Casey. I don't give two dams about the popular vote. Because 7 million illegal immigrants can vote in California for whatever Democrat they want. Doesn't matter. You know the states I care about? Florida, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Ohio, Nevada, New Mexico. What about South Carolina? What about South Carolina with Tim Scott? Like that's, they're going to battle each each other out for their own home state. But what I'm saying here is I don't care about the national vote, because that's not how we decide a president. Sure. I care about the swing states and somebody, look, getting elected in South Carolina means nothing. It means it's like getting elected here. Look at the morons we pick on a daily basis. Now, I, pr- I promised Mike I was going to try to be nicer. Look at the suspect <laughs> public office holders that we pick on a daily basis here. We picked a guy who got fired from the office, was about to get fired again, uh, somehow legally voted in uh, a, a county different where he's taking his homestead credit, and nine days into his administration, the Secretary of State hired his brother-in-law for a six-figure salary. We, look... It is not hard to get elected if you are the Republican nominee here, just like it's not hard to get elected there. I want to pick somebody who can win in the swing states. Who is that person? That should be the number one thing the Republican nominee for president could prove. I can win in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Arizona, in Nevada, in New Mexico. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And uh, you got to figure out what you want to be. What kind of show we run in here? Because we're going to go from <laughs> talking about Nikki Haley to songs that make you happy. Okay, this I get so is, mad. This is backed by scientific research. So this uh, Dr. Bonsher at the University of Sheffield found that the most uplifting music has a tempo of, Kevin, this is right up your alley, 137 beats per minute, BPMs. And they use a regular verse 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure. And then you got to pepper in some unpredictable elements, like a key change or a seventh chord. What was it again? Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, Mm -hmm. verse, chorus structure. Yep. And then you you change it up a little bit, but 137 beats per minute. And they've actually come up with a list of the top 10 songs Uh that will make you happy. I'm going to go from 10 down to one. Okay, go. We've got Earth, Wind & Fire with September. Uh Uh-huh. ABBA, Waterloo, uh-huh. Village People, YMCA, oh, yeah. Beach Boys, I Get Around, uh-huh. Bob Marley, Sun is Shining, yep. number five, Billy Joel with Uptown Girl, uh-huh. Pink, Get the Party Started, mm-hmm. Madness, House of Fun, uh-huh. number two, James Brown, I uh-huh. Feel Good, yep. okay, yep. number one song, To Make You Feel Happy. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. If you would like 10 songs that are void of any sort of intellectual stimulation whatsoever, those would be right there for you. Yes, absolutely. It's yeah, a pretty good list. Kevin, do we have it queued up? Uh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> He's like, I think I do. You want it now? Yeah, let's do it. I'm picking up According to science, this is the number one song ever created to make you happy. Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. Well, Good Vibrations was, I I call it, I said Pet Shop Sounds is one of the five greatest albums of all time. Now, Good Vibrations was not technically on Pet Shop Sounds. It was written during that period from which Pet Shop Sounds was cre- was put together, but it yeah. did not make the actual album itself. So think about, that's how good that album was. They didn't, like, put this one on there. We'll save that for uh, later. Still working on it. Yeah. Do you think this will make that caller happy? I think it'll be <laughs> enraged. It's making me happy. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you.